More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to episode 55 of the Survivor Sanctuary Podcast. I am Kelly, happy to be back with you for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I hope that you're having a great day, a great morning, whenever you're listening to this. You know, I don't take it for granted that there are so many podcasts and so many radio shows and TV shows and so many things you could be doing with your ears at this moment. And I appreciate so much that you're spending this time with me here on Survivor Sanctuary. I really do care about each and every one of you. It's why I do this podcast. And I hope that you hear something in today's episode that's going to resonate with you, that's maybe going to help you with an issue that you're dealing with, or that you may just have a good time listening. Well, we are going to jump into today's episode. And maybe you noticed from the title, we're going to be talking about advocacy. Now, today's episode is not really going to be one of those step by step instructions on how to do something. This is not a how to episode of the podcast. But I did want to talk about sexual abuse victim advocacy, because it's something that has blown up over the last five or six years. And it just seems like, you know, every second there's something to be read on, on Facebook, on Twitter, there, there are conferences to attend, there are books being written, there's so many things happening in the world of sexual abuse victim advocacy. And I know that for a lot of survivors of sexual abuse, we either enter advocacy or we think about entering advocacy, at least at some point in the process of healing from the sexual abuse that we experienced as kids. And so I just kind of wanted to talk talk about moving into advocacy, what it means, what it looks like, and and actually what it means to not move into the work of advocacy. So I want to dive into today's episode, but before I do, a reminder that you can join the conversation with other Survivor Sanctuary listeners by visiting our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. It's facebook.com. Just search Survivor Sanctuary, and you're going to be prompted to answer some member questions once you do. You will be added into the group and you can join the discussion, ask questions, post about things that are on your mind. We would love to hear from you there. So as I mentioned a few minutes ago, this is not like a how-to guide on how to become an advocate. If that's something you would ever be interested in hearing about, for sure, we could have a topic like that here on Survivor Sanctuary. You can just send me an email to kelly at SurvivorSanctuary.com. By the way, anytime you want to ask me about anything, you can also message me through the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. Let me know a topic that you would be interested in discussing here on the podcast. I always love to hear from listeners of Survivor Sanctuary. 
sanctuary. It makes my heart very happy and I love your feedback. It's very important to me. But for the purposes of this episode, not a step-by-step guide, I just wanted to share some thoughts I had on advocacy. And here's why. Because I think that when many of us begin to do the work of healing from sexual abuse, and that first step is just like admitting that there was a problem in your life and that problem was that you were sexually abused um, by a family member, by someone in the church, whoever that it was, it usually starts with that acknowledgement that yes, something happened to me. And we go from there. And I know that for many of us, when we start to read about sexual abuse and we start to attend therapy uh, to heal from sexual abuse and we begin to learn things about what we went through as children, we begin to learn things about what happened in our minds and our bodies as a result of being abused, I think that that knowledge kind of flips a switch in a lot of us. I know that it did in me. And it was just this thought of, I suddenly had the missing piece to the puzzle of my life. You know, I had gone for maybe almost 35 years, not knowing why I was struggling with these really weird things that nobody seemed to have answers for, why it seemed like I was different from so many of my friends and my family, why these random things just seemed to afflict me, I did not understand. And when I began the work of healing from sexual abuse and just reading about it, reading about what happens in the mind and in the body of somebody who's been abused, I really began to have my eyes just opened. And it was this feeling once my eyes were opened that I have to share this, like people have to know that this is the missing link. And that was just something that really burned in my heart was that I have the answer and I cannot keep it to myself. Now that doesn't mean, hear me when I say this, that every single person experiences that. We're all different. We all have different personalities. Some people like to talk more than others. Some people like to interact with people more than others. You know, you may be an introvert or an extrovert and it it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's going to feel that way. That if you didn't feel like, oh, I have to tell everyone when you began to heal from sexual abuse that there's something wrong with you. Not the case at all. I acknowledge fully that we are all very different people. We have people who are extremely private, people who don't mind putting their public business out there. You know, we're all individuals. And so however you felt, there's not a wrong way to feel when you are healing from sexual abuse. Like it just, it is what it is. You feel what you feel and you allow yourself to feel all of it and just kind of embrace that experience. Having said that, when you see the people who are entering into advocacy after they begin to heal from sexual abuse, it tends to indicate that a portion of the population of survivors of sexual abuse feel this same drive that they want to share. And I know that for me, it was just like, I can't even explain that feeling of like, I finally, I remember getting like tingly all over and just feeling this like warm feeling and not that I was happy that I had been abused at all, but it was just like, I was so relieved to have an answer that I didn't even know I was looking for my whole life. Like that's just how I could put it in a nutshell. I found an answer to a question that I didn't even realize I had been asking since I was six years old and everything just kind of fell into place. And I still don't understand the inner workings of everything that has happened to me as a result of being abused. But I just began to see how that had been like the rudder steering the ship of my life and that it was an answer. And that if I was looking for that answer and I had been confused by it for so many years, then naturally other people who had experienced sexual abuse 
probably were missing that answer as well. And so that was really what drove me like, I can't keep this to myself because it's such a huge thing that I basically have this big answer for the biggest thing that's been bothering me my whole life. A question I didn't know I had, mind you, had no idea that this was something that I had been questioning. But once I figured it out, it was just like this sense of, this is the most magical thing on earth and I have to tell people about it. It's like, I mean, this is, this is a really like bad example probably, but you know, when you find like an amazing restaurant and you just love it, it's like, you have to tell the people, oh my gosh, you have to go to this restaurant and try. Like I went to uh, Doc B's and no, I had never been to this restaurant called Doc B's. I went in Coral Gables last weekend with a friend of mine to celebrate her birthday. And we ordered a couple of things just so we could try different stuff on the menu. And their chicken and waffles was so good. Now, okay, if I were like in Nashville in some like greasy diners, drive-ins and dives type restaurant, I'm sure that it would be better. But I, as a person who had not really tried chicken and waffles many times, it was so good. And I couldn't stop telling everybody about the chicken and waffles at Doc B's because it was awesome. So again, not a super strong comparison, but it was that feeling like I cannot keep this to myself. I have discovered this amazing thing and other people have to hear about it so they can experience this amazingness themselves. Whatever your reason for it though, moving into advocacy is going to be something that probably crosses your mind as a survivor of sexual abuse. Now, if you're listening and you're thinking, yeah, I've never thought about moving into advocacy, Uh, maybe not for yourself, but it's probably something that you've thought about. I mean, it brought you here to this podcast. You know, I'm on a platform um, speaking out against sexual abuse, especially within the church and trying to help as much as I can for people to be able to heal from sexual abuse. So that brought you advocacy, brought you to this podcast. So even if you might not have seriously considered moving into advocacy yourself, your life has been touched by it and you've been affected by it. Um, The first thing that I want to say before I go any further is the idea for this episode actually came from a listener of our podcast and someone who's been a guest on our podcast as well, Joshua Yoder, who is not only my cousin, but he also is a podcaster. He has an amazing podcast called Unbinding the Bible. And I would encourage all of you to check it out if you want to hear some Bible teaching in a unique and different way than I've ever heard it before. Um, Love his podcast. But we were having pizza. I got a chance to see him. It had been forever, but I got to meet up with him and a couple of his kiddos for pizza on their way to vacation in the Keys. That's such a convenience living near the Miami International Airport because I get to see people who come into town. When he actually was talking about, um, hey, you should do an episode on advocacy and he had a couple ideas and I thought, you know what, this is a great idea and I am definitely going to be doing that. So thank you, Joshua, for your contribution to today's episode and for having this idea. But the second thing I want to say about moving into advocacy is this. Yes, I did it. Yes, I had this like burning desire to do it and wanted to speak out and use my voice. And yes, I have a podcast where I'm definitely advocating. But the first thing that I want to say about moving into advocacy is that you do not have to move into advocacy. Like that's the number one thing. And I I don't know, it's this weird, like when I go on Twitter and Facebook and different places where people are speaking out about sex abuse, and maybe it's just because the percentage of, of sexual abuse survivors 
who have actually gone on to social media are just the ones I'm seeing. Maybe it's a small percentage, like 5% of people who are healing from abuse become advocates, but we're seeing a lot of it on social media. And so when I go into these sites, it seems like, you know, everybody who has experienced some kind of, of sexual abuse, whether it was in the church or not in the church, is kind of moving in to share their voice. And that's a great thing, you know, sharing your voice and finding your voice is a big part of healing. But I want to be clear you are not obligated in any way whatsoever to be an advocate for the abused. You're not obligated in any way to speak out about sexual abuse in the church or otherwise. You're not obligated to try and help other abuse victims heal. You're not obligated like to share the wisdom you have about healing with the rest of the world. And I want that to be clear because I think that sometimes we almost feel like it is an obligation. Um, we can feel like it is this next step that we should all be taking. And sometimes there can be feelings of guilt or like a pressure that, uh, okay, I'm healing from sexual abuse and it's my obligation to go ahead and share this with the entire universe. So step one, you are not obligated in any way, shape or form to ever speak out against sexual abuse. Now it might be something that you really deeply desire to do and there's nothing wrong with that, but it also might be something that you have zero desire to do and there's nothing wrong with that either. So I just want to be careful with making it sound like every single person who is healed from sexual abuse needs to move into advocacy because honestly, there can be a lot of issues with moving into advocacy. For one, you might not be cut out for it. And I don't mean that like you need some special skills or anything at all to be an advocate, but it might not be in your personality. It might not be something you like. Maybe you're a very private person. You don't want everybody to know your business and you don't really want to share feelings. It's not something you're comfortable with. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that because we're all different people. So I just want to be clear that there's no obligation. If anybody tries to make you feel like you have some duty as a survivor of sexual abuse to help others survivors of sexual abuse, they're wrong because you don't have a duty. The only thing you have a duty to do is to love yourself and try and heal so that you can live the best life possible and you can thrive as much as possible. And if you think that that sounds selfish, you probably have a little bit more work to do in the area of healing. And I don't say that in a snarky way because I'm right there with you. Because here, my next point when I say you don't need to feel obligated to be an advocate Sometimes becoming an advocate can be a way for us to procrastinate in our personal healing. And maybe you understand exactly what I'm saying, or maybe you're confused, but it really can. A lot of times when we have been victimized by a sexual abuser, we've gone through something, even not sexual abuse, it could be physical abuse or emotional abuse as well. When we've been treated as though we don't matter and that our lives don't matter, our thoughts and feelings don't matter, when we've been treated that way, I think that many times we develop this people-pleasing exterior and we try to help everybody else with their problems. And I'm preaching to the choir once again, so I'm just saying that it can be so much easier to help other people handle their problems than it is for you to try and focus your energy on helping yourself. So many times we will move into advocacy and it almost becomes a way of procrastinating in our own healing journey because it just seems 
it feels more right to help other people. And I'm not sure if um, there are a lot of people who can relate with that. I have a feeling that in the world of abuse, it is something that many people can relate to. But I would love to hear also your thoughts on that. Maybe I'll post a question on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page and ask you about your own personal experience in that area. But I know that for me, sometimes it's just easier to focus on how I can help other people and not focus on what work that I still need to do in myself. And sometimes I will come to realize that and it leads to a burnout, you know, burnout from advocating and kind of just stalls the process of healing. So we have to be careful of that, that we're not moving into advocacy because that's easier. It's easier to help someone else. And I don't know the answer of the why to that. I just know that when we're constantly treated as though we don't matter, sometimes that is a message that gets ingrained in our bodies and it just becomes a part of who we are and what we inherently believe about ourselves. Like I'm not worthy of the work that it takes to heal, but how great would it be to help other people to heal? So that's something we have to be careful of when we think about moving into advocacy. It's, am I using this as a form of procrastination in my own healing journey? Do you know, like when you walk into the kitchen, you're like, oh man, I need to do these dishes. And so you go and you gather a few dishes off the counter and then you uh, put some food away and then you notice the refrigerator's kind of messed up. And so you're like, oh, this needs to be cleaned out. And so then you start rearranging things in the refrigerator and maybe you notice the cupboard is a little out of whack or you're putting dishes away and the pan or pots cupboard needs to be reorganized. And I have a friend who makes fun of me for saying the word cupboard. She says it's very old fashioned and stupid. So I, I hesitate to say that. I should have just said what cabinet. That's the word. In any case, whether you say cupboard or cabinet or whatever, um, you start to sort of flit from one thing to the next and the original thing that you were going to do never gets done. And yes, it might sound like a tad bit of attention deficit disorder, which a lot of times people who experience trauma early in their lives will struggle more with things like attention deficit, deficit disorder. But that is a podcast for another day. The point is that we can use something like helping other people heal to not pay attention to what's going on in our own hearts and minds and not doing the difficult work of helping ourselves to get to the point where we are healing and where we're growing and we're thriving. So that's something that we need to be really careful of, I think, because your number one priority when you're healing from sexual abuse is you. And it's hard after we've been told, like, you're worthless, you're you're not worth anything, because who would sexually abuse someone who is worth something, you know? And that's just that thought that's ingrained in our minds from the time that we're small or whenever your abuse happened to you. It's a message that gets kind of like sewn into our DNA with a needle and thread, and it's just there. It's a part of who we are. So we have to be really careful to recognize if we're doing something to try and take the focus off ourselves and not really take care of ourselves. So one, you're not obligated at all to be an advocate. And two, if you do have an overwhelming desire or any desire at all to get into advocating for the sexually abused, are you doing it from a place of healing and a place of moving forward and a place of wholeness? Or are you doing it as a substitute for taking care of yourself? And I think that that's so important to think about, even if you just sit with it and let yourself think about it for like two minutes, set an alarm for two minutes, close your eyes, breathe in deeply a few times and doesn't have to get weird. Just think about it. Like, what is my purpose in wanting to become an advocate? 
for the abused? Is it because I'm just burning with a desire to help people? And, you know, I want to say this. There can be a combination of factors. It's not going to be one answer for every single person that's just black and white. Everything is going to be a little bit gray. When you're, you're talking about healing from sexual abuse, it's not something you can really put your finger on. It's a journey, not a destination. You're not going to be completely perfect in your recovery process before you can become an advocate. That's just not, it's a lifelong thing. We're always working toward wholeness and healing. So there's not some magical place you need to be working from, but it is good to ask yourself just to find out where you are and kind of get in touch with how you're actually feeling because that's another thing that's easy for us to do. It's easy for us to push down our own needs and our own desires and focus on the needs and the desires of other people. So just sit with it for a few minutes and ask yourself, am I doing this because I feel obligated? Like, you know, I'm a survivor of sexual abuse, so I have some weird obligation that I have to try and help people who've been abused or try and help prevent sexual abuse. Am I doing it from that place? Or am I doing it because I really would like to focus on something else besides my own healing? Maybe I'm scared of doing the internal work. Maybe I'm scared of really focusing on myself because I'm so not used to doing it. Just allow yourself to ask the questions. You don't have to find some magical answer and it may not come to you right away, but I just find like if you purposely ask yourself those questions and just sit with them for a few minutes, try and think and process, then you're probably going to get some feedback from yourself, if that makes sense. And an answer might just come to you and you might uh, learn a little bit more about yourself in the process. But it's good to know, why am I doing this? Is it because I feel obligated or is it because I'm trying to procrastinate in my own personal healing that I don't wanna focus on me, so I'm just gonna focus on everybody else? So when you've done that and you realize, you know, advocating is something that I really want to do because I can't keep silent. I went through this and I want to be able to help other people. I want to be able to keep this from happening to other people. And let me say as an aside, going back to the you're not obligated, if you don't want to be an advocate, if you don't want to publicly advocate, that does not mean that you don't want to help prevent sexual abuse. It doesn't mean that you don't care about people being abused. And I just want to make that clear. But for people who are more prone to want to speak out and use their voice, and that's how they feel helpful in the world, um, maybe you feel helpful in a different way, and you're able to fulfill like a desire to help in another way. It doesn't have to be public. It doesn't have to be on a platform. There are so many ways to help prevent sexual abuse. It can be talking to your own kids. It can be being involved in a church and trying to help that church understand how to better protect kids. You don't have to get on stage to do it. And it doesn't make you wrong in any way if you don't have that desire to speak out publicly. It doesn't mean you don't like kids or want to help prevent sexual abuse. This is just one form of that healing from sexual abuse takes, and that is publicly speaking out against sexual abuse. But if, like me, your personality or your experiences are as such that you feel that way, like, man, I want to speak out. I really want to help, and I want to do what I can do. If you're feeling that way, and if those are the thoughts that are like rolling around in your head, I want to advocate. There may be something that is stopping you, and that's the little voice in your head telling you that you're not in a position where you can advocate for the sexually abused. Maybe you feel like, who am I 
to be an advocate. Like, I don't know anything about advocating. I don't know anything about public speaking. I don't know anything about how to get people to listen to what I have to say. Who am I? I just am a victim of sexual abuse. I don't have any special training. And maybe I should leave the advocating to someone else. Let me tell you, in response to all of those feelings, which are, by the way, called imposter syndrome, you do not have to have anything special to be an advocate. All you have to have is the desire to use your voice to help other people either heal from sexual abuse or to help prevent sexual abuse. There are so many different areas of advocacy. Um, We've had different people on the podcast, people who aren't survivors themselves, but who still advocate for the sexual abuse. They try to prevent and respond to abuse within the church. They try to help prevent sexual abuse in Christian schools. They speak out. Some people make databases so that we know where predators are going from church to church. There are so many different ways that you can be an advocate, but it doesn't matter which way you choose. You are completely enough as you are right now to use your voice or use that keyboard or use any resource you have to be able to advocate for victims of sexual abuse. There's something that I've noticed in the advocacy world, and it's actually something that keeps me off of social media sometimes. I'm just going to be real and I'm going to be honest about it. At times, it can feel a little bit like a competition. Uh, when I first started the podcast, I just you know wanted to help and, and share my story and, and use my voice to talk to as many people as wanted to listen about um, how to heal and, and how to prevent abuse. And I just remember getting like messages from people who were advocates, people who had been in the game much longer than I had been. And it was almost this air of, you know, you really shouldn't say X, Y, Z, and you really shouldn't put it this way. And I really don't like the word healing because it implies blank or whatever. I actually got messages like that where it almost felt like people were like, you don't belong here in this community of advocates because I didn't approve your presence here. And I just want to tell you that's complete and utter BS. It is. This is not a club for certain people or certain victims or certain celebrity advocates. That's not what it is. If you want to help prevent sexual abuse, good for you. And you may not know exactly how to do it or exactly how God is going to use you to help people. But if you have that desire and that willing heart, anybody who's telling you, no, you really shouldn't you know, try to help anybody is probably not somebody that you want to listen to. Now, if somebody says to you, listen, you are super raw in your own story and you are really struggling in your healing process and you're, you're emotional and you're worn down and, and you need rest and maybe this isn't the perfect time for you to start. Now, constructive criticism like that is actually helpful. If somebody knows you and they know you have a ton on your plate and that you might be doing this as a way to, again, procrastinate from your own healing process, if people like that speak into your life, there's wisdom in listening. But when it comes to, hey, I just want to help and I want to tweet something that might help somebody who's trying to survive after sexual abuse. Like, and then somebody tells you, no, you shouldn't do that. I mean, come on. That to me is nothing that you need to listen to. There is nothing special that you need to do. There's no college for advocates that you need to attend. There are no particular books that you need to read. If you want to use your voice to try and prevent sexual abuse, That's a good thing that you want to do. And don't let anybody who might, I don't know, be jealous that the platform is opening up to more people, uh, whatever the case may be. And I I don't know what's in everybody's heart. So I try to just take it all with a grain of salt and then think the best of people. But 
you don't have to be perfect. There's a saying I love, it's called done is fun. And that's actually why I started the podcast when I did, because I had been planning this thing for over a year before I actually turned on the mic and recorded the first episode, because I kept thinking, well, I just need to get this perfect and I need to get this perfect and my studio has to be perfect and then I have to have a perfect website and I just, everything, I didn't want anything to be wrong. I didn't want to say a single um in my episodes of Survivor Sanctuary and we know that went way out the window, right? <laughs> well, I just finally realized and I, and I realized it through listening to some other podcasts in, in other areas of mental health and somebody just saying, you know, done is fun. I think it's Allison of Awesome with Allison podcast, um, but that's something that she would always say, done is fun. You don't have to be perfect. Just put it out there. In, I'm going to butcher this because I'm sure that there's a specific way to say it, but the idea behind it is that your B-grade work that you put out there into the universe is so much better than your A-plus work that you keep to yourself and never share because you think it's not good enough. You know, like put out that B work, that C work, and it'll get better from there. But if you're always afraid to start because it's not perfect, you're never going to start because congratulations, you're not perfect. Like, unfortunately, none of us are. And nothing that we do is ever going to be 100% perfect. And that is difficult for me because I tend to be a little bit of a perfectionist and I want it to be, um, but it's not. And if I hadn't just finally said, you know what, done is fun. And I'm going to put my B work out there and I'm going to just go for it. And I will learn as I go and hopefully I'll make it better as I go and I'll grow as a person. And guess what? I I have grown quite a bit and I've learned a lot of along the way. And I am absolutely not anywhere near where I would want to be as far as perfection goes. But I guess what? I'm still not to that place of perfection that I was waiting for over like a year and a half ago. So if I had waited, then we would have zero episodes of Survivor Sanctuary because none of them have been perfect and none of them ever will be. So if that is a fear that you have, like, uh, who am I to be an advocate? I don't know enough. I haven't read enough books. I've never written a book. I've never stood on a stage with a microphone and talked to a bunch of people. None of that matters. None of it matters. What matters is that you have a heart to prevent sexual abuse. There are so many ways that you can do it. I'm not saying that you're never going to say something online that might be wrong. I'm not saying that because you want to be an advocate that helps prevent sexual abuse or, or helps victims of sexual abuse, that you should go online and try to be a counselor, you know, or that you should try to perform trauma therapy on the survivors that you know, because you just really want to help. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that using your voice to speak out is something that you can do exactly the way that you are right now. You don't need anything else, just you. You're enough, your thoughts are enough, your voice is enough, your Twitter account is enough. You may hate your handle, you may think the picture's not perfect, but if you wanna type something onto that keyboard and put it out into the universe that may help somebody heal from sexual abuse or that may help somebody learn how to prevent sexual abuse, that is an amazing thing. You don't have to have anything special, no special skills. You just need to be you. And something that I think I had a big feeling of, and it also goes back into imposter syndrome, where you just feel like, oh, who am I to, I'm just like, I don't have it all together. Who am I to be a voice of authority on anything? You know, I go through that a lot. And especially before I started the podcast, my goodness, I remember thinking there are other people doing podcasts. 
you know, what, what do I have to offer? There are other podcasts out there. They're already talking about sexual abuse. What do I have to say that somebody else can't say? But here's the thing that you have that nobody else has. And it is you, your perspective, where you have come from, your thoughts, and the way that your brain works. Nobody has ever done advocacy like you. And that is your superpower when it comes to advocating. You don't have to have some over-the-top magnetism where you're invited to speak on Oprah every other week to advocate. There are so many ways that you can do it. And yes, there may be other people advocating, but let's just say the market is never saturated when it comes to preventing sexual abuse. And I will say that again because it's really important. The market is never saturated when it comes to preventing sexual abuse. We need as many people talking about it as possible. We need as many people advocating as possible. And if you have been blessed with that desire to actually advocate and to use your voice to speak out, then don't let those voices in your head that tell you you're not good enough win because you are and nobody can offer the world of advocacy what you can uniquely offer the world of advocacy. And that's what's important to remember. I can podcast, but I'm never going to sound exactly like somebody else who podcasts. And that's a good thing because we are all unique and all of our voices deserve to be heard if we're brave enough to put them out there into the universe. There's a fourth thing that I want to discuss. We've talked about the fact that you're not obligated at all to be a sexual abuse victim advocate. And the second thing we talked about is that we need to be careful that we don't do advocacy as a way of procrastinating in our personal healing. And third, we talked about the fact that you don't need to be perfect. It's better to have something that is out there for people than to constantly be waiting for perfection to arrive because guess what? It's never going to. You don't have to be perfect. And the fourth thing that I want to share about the work of advocacy is that if it's not serving you, stop. If it's not serving you, if it becomes something that's this overwhelming like burden on your shoulders and you feel like you've got to be there for people and you've got to keep talking and advocating and doing whatever you can to prevent sexual abuse to the point where you're running yourself ragged or your mental health is suffering, um, stop. If it's not serving you, then stop. And that doesn't mean necessarily that you need to stop for the rest of your life, but at least stop for the time being. And over the last few months, um, November and December, man, they were really difficult months for me and for my family. And even into this week, um, had a scare where I almost lost a very close family member this week. Um, literally, if this person's wife had not turned around and gone back into the house to just check on him for some random reason... He would not be here right now. And it was the difference of minutes that were life or death. So even this week, it's like, I'm going to start back on the podcast and it's going to go strong and everything's going to be great. And then boom, it's like these disasters start happening once again. Um, so I took a break over Christmas and Thanksgiving. I just, the, the stress level was maxed. My life was maxed and my mental health was really suffering. And it wasn't the podcast fault that my mental health was suffering, but it was a thing of, I cannot do one more thing. I cannot have one more thing on my shoulders. And what I wanted to do was push through anyway, because I had this tremendous feeling of guilt, like I'm letting people down. And this feeling of, you know, people expect this of me, and they're going to think that I've just disappeared, and that I'm wishy-washy. And I couldn't, I could not do one more thing. And I just had to say, you know what, 
I know that's not why I'm doing it. And I think people will understand that at this time, I have to prioritize my mental health. Otherwise, I'm not going to help anybody in any way. Like, you know, they say you can't pour from an empty pot. I'm sure there's a different saying. <laughs> I messed that up. But true, though, like you cannot pour out what you don't have inside you. And that's where I was. And so I took a break. You know, I was just like, I can't do it. I'm stressed and I'm overwhelmed and all these awful things keep happening. And I just need to focus on getting myself through this, getting my family through it and, you know, taking a little break and recuperating so that I can be filled up once again to be able to share with people and, and podcast once again. And that's just permission that I had to give myself. But let me tell you that it came with these feelings of like deep guilt, like I should be doing this and I should be doing this and I should be tweeting more and I should be posting more on Facebook and I should be, you know, those feelings of guilt don't serve us. And first of all, we're not under any obligation, you know, but that's something that I want to share about advocating is that if it's not serving you, just stop. And that doesn't mean quit. You can, you can take a break instead of quitting. You can rest instead of quitting. But I think that we just get these feelings of guilt. Like there's some obligation. It goes back to point number one, you're under no obligation, but it feels once you start like this is your burden to carry and you have to carry the whole world on your shoulders. And that if you don't tweet today, you know, something horrible might happen. And That's not a way of existing in the world of advocacy that is going to help you continue to heal and that is going to help you to be able to stay mentally healthy to help other people heal or to help prevent sexual abuse, you know? So that guilt feeling, it goes back to feeling obligated. There is no shame in needing to take a break. And those feelings are going to come like I've started helping and now if I don't show up, I might miss something or I might miss a person who needs help or I might, you know, and we have to kind of let go of those feelings of guilt and obligation because really we're putting our voices out there when it is healthy for us to do that. And when it's not, we need to take a break. If it's not serving you to advocate, then stop. Take a break, take a rest, resume when you can, but don't get caught up in feeling like if you're not out there speaking out against sexual abuse, the world is going to end because the good news is there are quite a lot of people speaking out on behalf of victims of abuse. There are a lot of people who are speaking out and I think that's the magic of having so many voices. I really do because all of us need breaks from time to time. You know, all of us need time for ourselves, time to heal. Sometimes we get sick. Sometimes we have mental health issues, you know, and life just happens. So I think it's great. The more the merrier people speaking out against sexual abuse, because then if somebody needs a little break, other people are there to pick up the slack. You know, it's not like people are going to go on Twitter and no one on earth is going to be encouraging victims of sexual abuse because someone is always going to be doing it. So I think that that is the fourth and most important thing is to remember that if it's not serving you to just stop, just take a little break. Give yourself a timeout and uh, make sure that you are, again, focusing on yourself and your own healing and not using your platform or your advocacy as a way of procrastinating in your own personal healing. Well, those are just some thoughts I wanted to share about moving from surviving to advocating. 
And again, it was not a step-by-step. We might get into that in a future episode where we can discuss some ideas of how to advocate for the abused. I think that that's definitely an episode in our future. But uh, for this purpose, those four thoughts I just wanted to share. One, you do not need to be under any obligation to be an advocate. Absolutely not obligated. Two, You do need to make sure that you're not using advocacy as a form of procrastinating in your own personal healing. Three, you don't need to be perfect. Nobody is. Done is fun. And four, if it's not serving you to advocate, then just stop. Give yourself the permission to take that break. Well, if you have any questions about today's episode, anything you want to share personally about advocating or anything else for that matter, you can post it in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. We can be found on Facebook, clearly, at uh, Survivor Sanctuary, do a search, and you'll be asked to answer a very simple question to enter the group. I will add you, and you can join the conversation there. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Seriously, when I look at the, the number of downloads for this podcast, I'm just like overwhelmed. Like I was almost in tears, like 10,000 downloads, and that's not a lot for a, a podcast that, you know, there are podcasts that get millions and millions of downloads. But when I saw that 10,000, I was like, my gosh, 10,000 times my podcast has been listened to. And that's pretty crazy. And it brings tears to my eyes because I know that someone hopefully has been helped by something that they have heard. And that's the whole reason that I do it. So I appreciate you guys. I love you so much. And I would love to hear from you on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. I will catch you next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.